0: Movies and booze
1: on Moncrief. Brought to you by Lidl's award winning wine range. Lidl. More for you.
2: Enjoy alcohol sensibly. Visit drinkaware.ie.
0: We are joined uh, once again by uh, Mick Fanula and Esther. Good afternoon to you all. Hello.
1: Good afternoon. John.
0: They are all coming in loud and clear. Uh, Make the two wines you have for us today kind of sound a bit weird.
1: Yeah, these are two that my rocky healer in LA to- told me to uh, bring. <laughs> right, in. okay, a- that's good. Apparently, yeah. I was into them in a previous life. Yeah, I, I, I don't know, but it's, they're they're kind of about skin contact today. Okay. Yeah, it sounds a lot sexier than it is, to be perfectly honest. Um, So when you're producing wine and you have the grape skin and it's just about how long you leave the grape skin in contact with the grape juice. So we have what you'd call an orange wine or a skin contact white wine today. And then we have a very pale rose. Right. One is Gut Algo from Austria. And the other is Alegre Valganon, which is from Rioja.
0: And Is it all finely timed? How long you leave the skin in contact with the with the juice? It's
1: it, it's a it's a pretty precise art, yeah. Particularly say with the rose, when it when you know trends and fashion dictate a lot of what people actually buy. So at the moment, pale rose is the trend. So if you leave it on the skins too long, you get a darker rose,
0: right? So, which so is so just rosé
1: then, exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so you wouldn't want that. Uh, plus, uh, Esther, the uh, two movies today, one with Jude Law, the other one about which I know uh, nothing. Uh, the Jude Law one is called The Nest uh, and the second one is called Our Ladies, though I assume it's not about a convent or anything.
3: It kind of is. Oh. Yeah, it's about, you know what it's about? You know when you're in a convent school and it's the uh, 90s or the 80s and you go on a school trip? It's about the girls who go on that trip who sit at the back of the bus Um, I was never cool enough to be one of the girls on the back of the bus, but that's what this is about. Uh, Six very spirited, very bold friends uh, who are from 1990s Scotland who are in the school choir. They're heading to Edinburgh for a big competition and everyone's really interested in winning um, this choir competition except these six friends who see going to Edinburgh as an opportunity to drink, have sex... And experiment with life as much as possible. Right. Uh, and that's what they plan to get up to. Crikey, how long uh, are they
0: in Edinburgh for?
3: <laughs> set over, <laughs> it's set over two days. Right, two okay.
0: Days. Well, you might be yeah. able to fit all that in
3: in that time, well, they, I, I suppose. I tell you, they, they make a fair go with it, I'll have to say. All right, fair
0: use <laughs> to them. And, uh, and The Nest?
3: The Nest is really good. It's really good. Um, I'm not sure what it's supposed to be. It kind of bends a lot of rules, this one. Um, but I suppose... It's about a marriage that comes under pressure when this couple move from um, the US to the UK. Jude Law is kind of the domineering partner, at least in the outset. Um, And he wants to move back to his native England to take up kind of some business opportunities there. Um, Much to the dismay of his wife, who's played by Carrie Coon, who's not an actor I have seen much of before, but she's absolutely brilliant in this there's a bang of blake lively offer actually like even on screen while i was watching the film i kind of found myself having to remind myself that it wasn't her but she's absolutely fantastic in this and it's what i really liked about it is it's a really intriguing film uh because you get the sense early on that both points of view you're getting might be from unreliable storytellers so you're kind. Of, it keeps your brain going. This one, trying to figure out what's happening and who's um who's playing who. I like it, I have to say.
0: Okay. All right. And these are both going to be in the cinema because I always both forget. Both cinema that. releases. Both cinema yeah. releases. Uh, and Fanula, exciting Kanye West uh, news because uh, he's apparently he's just been he called, yay.
2: Yeah, but I prefer the idea of him pronouncing it as ye just for the oh, pure I just
0: thought because it was Kanye that he was just showing it to Ye
2: he is um, and his reasoning is like obviously he's leading up to the release of Donda his 10th album we don't know when we'll ever get it because he keeps just having release parties which is fair enough um, in the legal filing he said of personal reasons but he basically said previously um, it's a word used throughout the bible and he wants it he wants his name to now be a reflection of everyone rather than just himself which I think is really generous
0: that's a really sweet of him. But I would imagine if like at the moment if you met him you might go, yay, can yay? But now people would be going, yay, yay <laughs> uh, and, and and he might think you're taking the Mickey. Uh, it's a
2: it's a conversationalist nightmare, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but I don't uh, think I he's thought that far ahead.
0: So does he have to go to court to call himself a silly name? Yeah, He can't League just League do it himself. League I thought repetition. you were saying,
1: does he have to go to Cork to <laughs> <laughs>
0: have
2: the
1: yee?
0: Probably, yeah. How are you doing? <laughs> that would be great if he comes down and I would call him ye.
2: Please come to Cove, my <laughs> mum will house you, I promise. <laughs> that,
0: and so I mean his new album will just have Ye written on the front of it
2: I think so yeah now he'd called one of his past releases Ye and this is around the time that he gave the interview saying that's why he wanted to change it and stuff but yeah I don't know he's just, he's on a bit of a mad one to be honest when is he not when, when is everyone listening no, but I mean, especially know, now I think
0: his, he's had his issues the poor fella <laughs> uh, uh, still though
2: uh, right Black Panther 2 um,
0: they're, they're making one and, and someone's got hurt already and not yes. their feelings
2: no um, so they started shooting in June 2nd Ryan Coogler back on directing duties and um, And Letitia Wright, who people remember, she played uh, T'Challa's younger sister, the inventor, Shori. Um, She was injured on set this week uh, in a stunt rig accident. Uh, Minor injuries. She seems to be okay. Had to be hospitalised. Will be released soon. Don't think she's been released yet. Um, Kind of, again, there's still very little details on actually what this movie is going to be about. I know they're kind of like T'Challa isn't I think they're kind of moving on from the story of T'Challa and just keeping it in the Wakanda universe I'm very excited for it Michaela Cole was also recently announced oh, as joining really? the cast yeah. Yeah, she's from, in everything now. from yeah. I May Destroy You so very excited to see her again don't really know much about her role um, but yeah I can't wait I think I think we're due to expect this maybe late next year kind of this time next year I think so watch this space for more details on the plot and stuff I must say I never got it I, I'm not a big Marvel person and that was kind of my first intro into it really really liked it and I think you could watch it and not care about any of the rest of them, to be honest. No, what I didn't get
0: was that they, they have this kind of fictional country in Africa where they have all this high technology and everyone's healthy and well off and all the rest of it. And they're surrounded by other countries that are, you know, maybe not doing as well as that. And they don't decide to share any of that uh, joy with them. And when at the end of the first movie they do, it's a load of African kids. Mm. You know, like Africa can go... Take a leap. It's
2: so it was a, a, it was a moral conflict. For yeah, you I, watching. I, felt
0: politically, it was very questionable. Mm, uh, in terms of
2: their loyalty to
0: their
1: own, uh, to their own continent, right? So Mick, uh, what the, uh, let's uh, talk about our first wine. So we've got Gutago and this is uh, a wine called Theodora. And Gutago you, you'll see them on a on a wine shop shelf because they're all characters. Um, each right. each of the different wines represents somebody in the Gutago family. So this particular one is Theodora, and it's made from grapes that we are starting to get the hang of here, like Gruner Veltliner, which tend to be quite crisp, dry, fresh kind of styles of white wine. Um, But this is made, again, with skin contact. So it's quite a different style of wine, even in terms of how this looks in the glass. This looks a little bit orange, a little bit um, cloudy in terms of stars. So this is mm-hmm. very much mm. a natural wine. Um, and this is the kind of thing that is, um, what well, is becoming really trendy at the moment. Um, and these skin contact wines are fantastic food wines. Um, it, the reason being is you get some of that tannin, so some of that dryness, some of that texture on the palate that you get. Um, so there's quite a bit of bite in terms of food. It's quite zingy. Uh, yeah, they yeah. really are. So, mm. th- so these... The guys at Goodago they tend to pick quite early, so they're starting their harvest now. Just to put it in perspective, so we're what at the end of August. So they're, they're they're relatively early in terms of harvest time. So you keep that freshness through all of their wines, and then add that kind of tannic bite to it as well. And and these are these are really excellent food wines. So you can you can use them where you would use red wine for red meat, for right. example. Okay. So there, there's a, there's a bit of a nerdy kind of food matching thing where you'd say that tannin goes with protein so these work really really well with anything that is high in protein so hard cheeses or or oily fish or anything like that and there's a there's really loads and loads of scope for these totally organic totally biodynamic in terms of how they're um how they're farmed but i think as a minimum this is an interesting wine I, i would say it will almost always split a room um, right. in that it won't be a thing where 100% of people will ever like these styles of wine. They, are, they can be quite challenging. But I have to say, I am a huge, huge fan of this style. Uh,
0: and uh, that's Theodora there. On, on, on how many family members are there?
1: Um, in, the, in this generation, the small, as in the, they would look at this as the kind of kids, there are four wines and then there's parents, there's another four and then there's grandparents. Okay. So there's ten, ten roughly in total. And then some characters come and go.
0: Right, okay. Theodora just doesn't look that happy, uh, uh, really. Well, she's uh, supposed
1: I, to be a bit cheeky. I think. Is oh, is the she? Idea. I thought she looked just like
0: you know, browned off. Really, to be honest, with you. she was like, "What am I doing in the front of this bottle?" Uh, <laughs> pouting, pouting, and <laughs> uh, uh, looking fed up. Okay, well, I kind of like it. Do you? Do you? Do you like it?
2: I also like it. I can't believe orange wine isn't made of oranges. I really thought that's yeah. what we were. I I feel uh, bamboozled to be yeah. honest.
1: It's it's like I guess I guess the thing with rose or whatever, it isn't obviously made with roses as well. It is, <laughs> you know, but, but it is they're trying their best to just fit it into the colour that you see in the glass. Okay. Um, so it, like I suppose as a category you've got white wine, then orange wine, then rosé, then red. Um, but yeah, I, I suppose in theory you could make Orange wine from oranges. There's a really interesting um, Wicklow um, producer who Monier. I'll probably have said that wrong. Um, Wicklow Way wines, but they make wines from strawberries and raspberries and blackberries, and they're mm. they're really really interesting. Okay, I I guess you could, in theory, do it Theoretically, yeah.
2: There's an experiment for someone. Not me, I'm too lazy,
3: but if someone (laughs) else wants to do it.
0: Uh, Elaine, who's already in her PJs in Galway, says, I've had a tough week in work and I want greasy fish and chipper chips tonight for dinner, but I also want a nice wine simultaneously. Can your wine guy recommend a wine that might not be drowned out by the salty greasiness or should I just crack open the blue nun? Champagne. Champagne
1: is wow, interesting the wine suggestion for for fish and chips. It really is because it, it's it's got high, refreshing acid, it's super zingy in itself. So it cuts through all that kind of oiliness. And then if you've had a crap week, what better way to spoil yourself while you're in your pajamas than pulling a cork on some champagne? Absolutely.
0: Okay. I yeah. concur.
1: Yeah. The thing is, every like,
0: if I have a snack box, I have to have red wine. It's just it's I, I drummed into her. me. It's not I, they probably don't go together, but I just. Can't have one without the other. Like,
1: like it, in in reality, I'm not sure there's any perfect, perfect food pairing for snack box or the the, the <laughs> not. special mix. But there is. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: Jim says you can get fruity wines made from different fruits in New Zealand. They're big into them. I have, a, I had a nice blackberry wine there.
1: Oh. You, you mm. should definitely look up those um, Wicklow Way wines. Monia, I think I'm saying it right. but those... Monia
0: doesn't sound like a very attractive name for a wine.
1: M O F O D I N R. Ah, right. Okay, E-R, yes, yes. Something yeah. along those lines. But Wicklow Way wines. And they are really delicious. Right. Okay, Esther, what movie would you like to do first?
3: Sean, why did you have to talk about the snack box? I'm so having a snack box for tea
0: right now. Do <laughs> you know why? The part of Dublin you live in has more. Cafes per square foot than any other part of the country. Possibly, have you noticed really? that? Yeah, there's like, like you know, ca- like cafes come in twos and threes beside each other. It's quite, uh, it's quite extraordinary. Your choice of mm. uh, of takeaways is enviable, I must say. We Sorry have a to interrupt very good, you.
3: Um, we have a very good snack box place as well. Okay. To so mm, it's I'm happening. sure you do. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, people probably want to hear about the films rather than my culinary choices. <laughs> so let's do our ladies first. All
0: right. Ladies coming up after this.
4: Hello again. We'd like to report a theft. Of course,
0: ladies. Now, were you the victims of a theft? Or is it something you've stolen?
4: I thought you said he'd help. A man stole our school uniforms. Who was the man? Danny. And where did
0: you meet Danny?
4: The castle, you sauna. Shell. that place is only for men. No way. I saw a few lassies in there. It's a brothel, you silly cows.
0: There you go, that's uh, our ladies. Uh, kind of a, sl- a bang of dairy Girls off it in Scotland. Totally, yeah.
3: totally. Um, and it's timely, I suppose, because it is. It's, 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 if Derry Girls broke into the drinks cabinet... Um, this would kind of be the result, Oof. or maybe if Samantha from Sex and the City was reimagined as a group of Scottish teenagers, you'd be about halfway there as well. These are really bold, really bold, and um, I suppose what I had a problem with in it is the humor is so lewd, um, and the ledech team which of is of the time obviously the mid-90s um does feel uncomfortable at some stage given the ages of the girls so mm. that i had to kind of get past a little um but it is yeah sure look they're teenage girls they're all the way to edinburgh for a, a big choir competition and you know they're well used to to, to pulling guys now because the, they go down to the local pub which is known as the man trap and they have <laughs> you know met all the locals there and uh but they are dying to go to the big city they live in fort william they're dying to go to the big city um uh to take part in the choir competition but really just to um Experiment sexually, and and you know, one of them, for example, her ultimate dream, and, and, and this is a big metaphor, obviously, for sending up Catholicism. But one of them, uh, her desire is to be uh, tied to a lamppost and whipped with rosary beads. <laughs> and you don't really get to do that in the mid 90s in um, Fort Williams, so right? You know, okay, well, going do, they, to the do they do it now? To, <laughs> going to the city gives her the opportunity to do it. So that's kind of you know, it's so very Gregory's girls as well, Sean. I I you know, I think people might forget mm-hmm. what an impact Gregory's Girls had when it came out at the time and how much controversy and column inches were written about it. Um Claire Gro- Rogan, Grogan, of course, uh brilliant in the in the lead role there. So it's a touch of all that and it's kind of good fun. It's about their escapades um and you know what they get up to you. and it is quite in your face like they're they're hmm. very bold but they are the heart of it is are these six friends who all have their own problems one of them's recovering from cancer um who's played uh, she's brilliant actually the lead in this it's Talula grieve a, a newcomer and she is really kind of like she just wants to embrace her sexuality and have fun um and they all have problems as well. There is a sexual coming of age for from one of the girls and they all kind of experience various levels of poverty in different ways. Um, so that's their plan. They play the guys though. They really play them. Um, and, you know, the humour is, it's almost toilet humour at one stage. You know, when I tell you that um, uh, a submarine that's full of seamen comes into the dock at one stage, you can only imagine how much fun they have with that. <laughs> um, so it is... Yeah, it's fondest. It's very sweet. It is um, tender then. It takes a couple of turns. You get mm. to know these girls and you become invested in them. Um, uh, but it never kind of shakes off its um, comedic roots either, yeah. I suppose. Uh, best Supporting None is played by Kate Dickey. We've, we know who this woman is. We've all had one in our lives. She is really strict. Uh, she is. She thinks they're all angels. She's determined to keep them um, on on online during the trip, and sure, good luck with that, uh, sister. <laughs> so it's it's lovely. It's a real a, a tenderest that I liked. You get very involved in them in their stories, uh, and yeah, the the scene you heard there was uh, their their um their school uniforms have been stolen, which is. Not good because they were supposed to be wearing them at all times. So the nuns are actually going, how were how they stolen if you were wearing them? So they have to make, concoct a story around that. And then there is a couple of lovely surprises at the end. There is a, a very famous uh, celebrity cameo, which I won't ruin uh, by revealing. There is a rendition of a big country uh, the a big country song in a big country which is sung by a female vocalist as a kind of a soul song which brings a whole new life to it um, and, and, and really embraces the s- subjects of the film which is you know life's too short live large mm. uh, you know live life to your own terms and all of that it's very very sweet the Scottish humour is very prevalent in it as well and uh, I really enjoyed this it got it, my, I, I don't know how I feel though about the fact that it's Directed by a man and written by a man. I'm not sure how I feel about mm. that. I, you know, I have to say that. Maybe it's time for um, women to be telling these stories. Tr- you well, know, indeed, but,
0: but is the story told convincingly?
3: Yeah, yeah. But, uh, it's you know, it is a film about kind of very sexualized underage girls and the fact that there are male storytellers telling it. I think mm, a female... Yeah. Gaze would have been different, maybe, you know. Yeah. I'm not trying to be all PC about it. I'm just saying it would be would have been interesting. To be fair to those involved, this was originally stage musical and it took years and years to adapt. Um, so it does feel dated and uneven in places, I think, with that, that humour because of that. I think they just about get away with it because it's a period film. Um, but, yeah, I... It's the sex stuff almost distracted from the power of the story for me But Sean. It was just right. a bit too prevalent, a bit too lewd. Um, but otherwise, I really enjoyed it. The young cast are note perfect. They okay. are so good in it.
0: OK, that's uh, that's our ladies then uh, uh, worth checking out. A uh, few uh, suggestions on snack boxes. The only drink pairing with a snack box and the only pairing is Coca-Cola. None of your full fat, none of your diet muck. Uh, Somebody else says, I normally have the snack box after 45 pints. Uh, How can you even say snack box after 45 pints? Never even crossed my mind to have one with booze. Shows the state of your mind at that stage. Uh, Interesting experiment. And uh, Paddy says a snack box can book fast. Uh, Is your only man, obviously, that's if you're dining outside. Uh, Does anyone make wine from bamboo? Bill wants to know. Yeah. Yeah. That,
1: Uh, that, That sounds mad. It does sound it mad. It does not but, sound
0: nice. Yeah. No, it doesn't sound, because Bill wants to call it bamboos. Uh, ah, what call it. It. Very good. Brunch. And uh, Harry uh, uh, wants to know, are there any vegetable wines? I'm a hipster, so obviously I want to try to shoehorn <laughs> some avocado or beetroot into every meal.
1: Um, I I can recommend you some wine that tastes a little bit like beetroot. Um, I've got a big stack of it that I need to get rid of, so if you give me that man's number... That would
0: be like Ribena with (laughs) puchin in it uh, from the sounds of it. Uh, And so, uh, Hollywood not doing so, even though all these, you know, loads of Hollywood films have sort of Chinese money in them and all that kind of stuff. Hollywood still isn't doing that well in China. For now.
2: Yeah, the pandemic has really upscuttled things majorly for Hollywood. So uh, it came out this week that uh, the, their share in the China box office is down like to 9.5%. Um, in the first eight months of 2021, you only had eight Hollywood titles like in the charts um, and that was kind of led by obviously the the Fast Nine I think the ninth mm. one in the Fast and Furious franchise. They re released Avatar, so that obviously charted. Um, but I think it's kind of a it's a combination of obviously COVID, like obviously they in China like the blackout periods and stuff, and like the censorship kind of means like all of the release schedules have been like massively delayed. So you're kind of losing the momentum of them. And um, just to put it into context, like the last big significant Hollywood release in China was Luca. And that was like last week, but we obviously got that in. We got that on streaming July, I think. Was that when we were released? Yeah. It? Um, and then prior to that, it was a quiet place too, which obviously came out the end of March. Um, and then you obviously have the issue of like the the simulcast release with some things going to streaming only, streaming only, and not cinemas. Some things going to both. Um, so it's at a really big impact. Like if you consider kind of the things that did really well, um, overall. Uh, like the top two films at the global box office this year so far are High Mom which is from China that got 800, 800 squillion million and Detective Chinatown 3 that got 686 million dollars and that came ahead of the Fast and Furious movie uh, the most recent one with 681 million dollars so not good not good yeah
0: but I suppose if they have their own indigenous film industry and it's it seems to be well developed then why should Hollywood be expecting this to do is well this the thing
2: like yeah. I mean I, th- I think it's a good thing in some ways for that for that industry, particularly as you said in the indigenous filmmaking but yeah, yeah interesting one to watch for sure yeah but
0: also as well if it like discourages Hollywood from sucking up to these people and then deliberately editing their own films mm. so as not to offend them yeah uh, and then you know and then possibly making movies with that in, in the back of their minds so that they don't even include yeah anything that might be might be acceptable to the Chinese Communist yeah. party
2: yeah none of the Marvel movies have come out since like any of the recent ones since like 2019 like Black Widow has not come out there at all really? and probably won't Yeah, because
0: of its critique of communism
2: yeah I would imagine so Yeah, that's
0: probably what it is yeah that's absolutely what it is right uh, you are listening to The Moncrief Show on Newstalk uh, we do have a hashtag by the way I forgot to say it but this is based on uh, what Simon was telling us earlier on in the week about the history of the toilet brush uh, the hashtag is bristly movies rash hour uh, being one <laughs> example of that uh, we're going to take a break uh, more movies and uh, more wine to talk about after this 53106 is our text number that will cost you uh, 30 cents. You are listening to The Moncrief Show on Newstalk. Vanula and Mick and Esther are still with us uh, for uh, movies and booze. Uh, Deirdre wants to know, can Mr. Wine Guy recommend a nice full-bodied Bordeaux that might go with the venison I'm attempting to cook tonight? Woo, you chose the wrong weather for that meal, but nonetheless.
1: Yeah, yeah. But but still, it, it's always a nice treat to do, to do some Bordeaux. Mm. Um, so with venison... Probably better that you get something with a little bit of age rather than going for a particular producer. And for me personally, I would try to go with the left bank, which is mainly Cabernet Sauvignon. So if you can find something from Hope Medoc, Margot, Poyac, any of those guys, um, Saint-Julien is is fantastic commune there as well but they're mainly Cabernet Sauvignon wines and any of those with a little bit of age so this is one where you really need a trip to your local wine merchant and it's it's just checking out what they have in stock mm. but if when, you can, when you
0: say a little age how how many years are we talking So like
1: I would say something from 2010 to 2015 in that kind of okay. bracket is probably around the right price or around the right kind of age it will be possibly be pricey depending on what you're mm, doing but mm. if you've had a good piece of venison then you need to you need to like spend the money on the wine as well yeah. but like you know any of those famous names like Leoville Barton Langoa Barton one of my favourites they're about San Julian. one of my favourites is Chateau Bechevel, like really really elegant wines and with a little bit of time you get some of that savouriness in the wine as well mm. and it does go really really well with that kind of style of super Savoury meat. A venison pie is delicious. <laughs> really can beat is. A of venison pie. We're coming into that time of year. It's a yeah. really exciting time. Yeah. Autumn for, for food is great. Uh, what's a good wine to go with popcorn? Uh, oh, chardonnay.
2: Chardonnay, okay.
1: So, oaky chardonnay, and mm. particularly, I would say, from the New World, so like Australia, Chile, and actually, it, it's getting hard to get oaky chardonnay. Because the, oh. the trend is really away from it. The trend is really unoaked and kind of chablis style. Um, but oaky chardonnay, you can sometimes get this kind of popcorn thing in itself. But you know, people always say buttery chardonnay. Yeah, it's your butter on your popcorn. Exactly.
0: Oh, yeah. Delicious. Yeah. Fair, yeah. Yeah. You really perked up when you heard that popcorn I wine I Love combination.
2: popcorn so yeah. much. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Probably you, one of my hobbies, like <laughs> board and, Like, and do you drink wine with your popcorn?
2: I wouldn't generally, but I will now. Yeah, never thought okay. of it. There
0: you yeah, go. There you go. Uh, there's going to be a new interview with the Vampire series.
2: Wow. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about this. Did you watch Game of Thrones? Yes. Yeah. Do you remember Grey Worm? Yeah. He was he
0: was one of the more unfortunate characters. So many rotten things were done to him. Yeah. he was missing his Mickey, I think, <laughs> yeah. halfway through. He had a
2: yeah. terrible time. Yeah. Um, the guy who played him, so Jacob Anderson, he is going to play Louis in the Interview with the Vampire series, which is coming to AMC and AMC Plus. This was the network that had like Breaking Bad and all. So I'm assuming we'll we'll get it somewhere over here after the fact. And um, we have Sam Reed, who's playing Lestat. Is that who you pronounce that character's name? Let's okay, start. no, I can't
0: remember. The, yeah. anyway. But it was the, he was the Tom Cruise character. Yes, yeah. exactly
2: that, yeah. So that is going into production later this year for a premiere in 2022. Eight episodes. Um, I'm sure fans will really enjoy it. I'm not sure I care enough to revisit that story. Maybe I'm just like a total reboot, remake fatigue at this point. But yeah, he is very good though, that actor, uh, Jacob Anderson. So I would kind of, I might tune in just to see him, but... I don't know.
0: Yeah, but it is like literally, well, not literally flogging a dead horse, but really, you know, it was a movie. And, and for it to make a TV series out of it, I assume they're going to have to go farther, further than the story arc of the book anyway.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, especially if they want to do series, you know, seven, eight, and nine kind of thing. So. Yeah, maybe not was, flogging a dead horse, yeah. but
2: flogging a blood sucking human half zombie person. Yes, exactly. I don't. Yeah,
0: who's probably suffered enough uh, 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 as things stand. Mm. So, yeah, I don't know. God. <laughs> Why can't they just think of, you know, there's a kind of a thing like it has to be, they, you know, they used to be, It seemed, my impression, it used to be kind of like the, when they'd pitch a movie, they'd say it's a bit like this movie and a bit like that movie and they, didn't, they don't even have the, the neck to do that now. It has to be, well, it's just that movie. We're just making it No, again. it's straight yeah. for straight, like yeah.
2: reboot. It's very tiring. Yeah. Movies. It's
0: yeah.
1: like, hey guys, we had success with this
0: one. Yeah, so let's do it again <laughs> because no one will tell the difference. Um, it's mad, really. And the fella who's the creator of this is called Perry Mason.
2: Perry Mason. <laughs> That's yeah, where irony
0: goes to die. Uh, <laughs> Perry Mason does an interview with a, with a vampire. Uh, I, I uh, have made and drank beetroot wine, uh, says Chris.
1: Different taste, but decadent colour wine definitely be deep coloured yes and, it and, would and, that, and I I would think that it's the kind of wine that might give you a fright later as well so just be wary of that oh no you mean a bottom fright no I mean I mean, imagine if your pee was a bit pink coloured you'd be terrified that you had a kidney problem
0: ok good point yes so He's, just be wary keep that of this in mind. pigment anyway, can come I'm, through plus also you'd need to like beetroot I imagine to enjoy beetroot yeah are wine. you
2: really drinking it for the decadent colour like surely it's
0: no the, no I don't want soil tasting no. wine you just wear coloured glasses and drink anything else, yeah. uh, really, than that. Anyway, let's move move on to our second wine of the day, mate. So, so
1: this is absolutely not a decadent coloured wine at all. This is the palest, palest red that you'll get. So it is It is a rosé. It's from producers Alegre Valganon, and that's Oscar Alegre and Ava Valganon. And Oscar was... Um, an export manager for some really top top uh, rioca estates including remaluri so quite quite collectible rioca and he and his wife's family who own the land decided that they were going to do a project and the project was going to be really, really traditional style Rioja and and this is where this came about. These guys also do a white, which is one of my absolute favourite wines of the last couple of years. I just think it's fantastic. And the person who was asking about fish and chips earlier, white Rioja is... Really, really good with fish and chips okay, as well. Yeah. But this is this is a clarette or, or a rose style. And again, this just means that there's a tiny, tiny, tiny amount of skin contact on the red grapes. Mm. So this is made with Garnacha mainly, and Garnacha is uh, is Grenache, the the main grape variety in Chalon of the Pop. Um it is quite a pale-colored grape in itself. But if you just squeeze the grapes and then pull the juice aside after a couple of hours, you get a really, really light pigment in the wine, which is why this is so pale. And and obviously people can't see this, but this is just a step yeah. up from white. But, but technically it's a red wine. It, it's So all rosé in theory is red. It yeah. comes from red grapes, yeah. but they just don't spend a huge amount of time with the skin contact. So the, the skin contact really is the thing that makes this style of wine and and all rosé styles of wine. The only place, funnily enough, that I think in our heads, we just presume that how you make rosé is you get a white wine and you chuck in a little bit of red. The only yeah. place in the world that does that is champagne. funnily enough. Huh. Yeah. What's a blush then? A blush is, is literally the same kind of thing. They, they're just making it with a prettier name. Ah right. But okay. The blush tends to be, and, and again this is this is a big generalization, but it tends to be a slightly sweeter style of rose. So um White Zinfandel from Blossom Hill and people like uh, Ernest and Julia Gallo, um, those guys made that blush style quite famous. Mm. But they would be like 30 grams, 40 grams residual sugar, so they're quite sweet. Now what I mean by that, that's like seven or eight teaspoons of sugar in your bottle Ah, roughly so they are they are quite sweet but they are a hugely popular style and, mm. and they're the kind of thing that us in the wine business would probably look at them as a bit of a gateway wine
0: mm. I, I must say I like the second one better than the first one mm. uh, uh, though it's kind of a bit weird that it's actually a red wine because it you know my brain is going white wine yeah. that looks a bit slightly
1: red okay, kind but of but thing but we drink rosé like, yeah. like, we, like yeah, we do white wine. absolutely wines. absolutely yeah. what's that, What's the price actually on the two so wines so the first one the Guttago that's a natural wine biodynamic that's 35 euros and mm-hmm. you'll get that in somewhere like Frank's on Camden Street or a Green Man in Ternure, Allegro Valganon, it's 25 euros and you'll get that in the fumbly.
0: Right. Okay. Now, uh, as you know, we've been uh, endeavouring to give away 25 grand to someone. Apparently that's just happened. So let's listen to someone screaming.
3: It's the competition giving you life
4: changing cash. The 25k giveaway on News Talk. Here we go. Hello. Hello, my name is Claire. Who's this? This is Colin Harrington. Hello, Colin Harrington. What are you up to this afternoon? I'm just relaxing here with my daughter after nights. Okay, so you're you're on a night shift, and now you're trying to relax with a high-energy child in the background. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And uh, what is the plan for the rest of the weekend? Well, I'm finished my nights now, so okay. I'll take it easy for the rest of the weekend. Enjoy the weather. All right, well, well maybe those plans are going to change. Uh, tell me... Tell me, Colin, did you enter a competition this week? I did. Okay, well, I can tell you that we picked your number at random. You answered the call well within five rings. I got it on ring number two, and you answered our question correctly. So, Colin, you have just won 25,000 euros. Oh, my God. Oh my How oh my God. do you feel right now? Oh, Jesus Congratulations Colin Harrington That 25
0: grand is yours There you go That's uh, Colin Harrington Almost waking up at the news That he's won 25 grand We'll move on to our second uh, movie of the day Uh, It is The Nest Here's a clip
1: I have a huge check coming in at the end of the month Stop worrying about it once and for all
3: Really Rory, the end of the month? Before
1: the end of the month, within 10 days
3: What's it for?
1: Don't worry, it's coming
0: I saw some deposits you made. It's nowhere near what you're spending.
1: It's taking time. It takes time. It's coming. This next payment, it's the one.
0: All right. Well, if you have all this money coming in 10 days, then you can buy me dinner. We can order whatever we want.
1: Of course.
0: Of course.
1: Are you ready to order, sir? Yeah, I think so.
0: We'll start with a dozen oysters and the shrimp cocktail. My princess will have the Chateau Brion, and I'll do the whole roasted sea bass. Let's start with a bottle of white, and then we'll have red with our dinner, whatever you think goes best with our food. Don't look at him. I've told you what we wanted. Thank you. <laughs> you're embarrassing. And you're exhausting. Okay, I want to go to dinner with them. Uh, right, so uh, th- th- were to infer that things are a bit rocky in this relationship, Esther?
3: Well, listen... It makes Marriage Story look like a rom-com. Oh, right. Okay. Um, If you told Malcolm and Marie were cranky with each other, like, wait till you meet these two. They're fantastic. And I want to put Carrie Coon in everything. She is just brilliant here um, because it's set in the 80s. uh, And it's important to notice that because even her own mother tells her to leave the worrying to the men. um, And you forget how recently... Even in in, in the US, um, that divorce was kind of regarded as a bit of a no-no. She is under, she's in this marriage that you get a sense of discontent from her very early on. And it's very hard to read. She's a really difficult character to read because the acting is so brilliant. Um, But they're based in America. It's the mid-1980s and uh, she is married to... Perfectly cast, and I mean this as a compliment to Jude Law. He's there's something flaky about him, Um, and there's he's kind of cast here as this kind of unreliable narrator character. His name is Rory O'Hara, a very ambitious businessman um, who wants to return. He's taken a decision to return to the UK and he wants to uproot the family because he feels like there are better opportunities there for him. there's a hint that there's something amiss very early on because he, she says to him, this would be our fourth move in 10 years. Uh, so you kind of go, what's that about? Uh, but he persuades him to make the move again anyway. And the family moved into this posh, um, really posh country pile in in Surrey, Um Feels like the kind of place you have ghosts, so you're being played with in terms of genre here. It, you, you you wonder if you're going to be watching a haunted house story, um, but this is no kind of straightforward bump in the night terror. This is more kind of a like, psychological thriller. Um, he works in finance. He goes back to the old boss and he's one of those types, you know, the, one of these lads who wants to display all the trappings of wealth, even though they don't have that wealth. Uh, and as becomes apparent in the scene you just heard, there, like he doesn't have the business skills to back up the lifestyle that he wants, and the family are in deep, deep financial trouble. Um, he kind of places himself at the centre, then with his old boss, who's who's an older man. Um, he kind of thinks he can inveigle himself into a position there that would enable the company to be taken over um, by another company. So he's trying to do a deal that's way out of his um out of his job spec, and. It's really, really good. This It's so brilliant. I mean, not a lot happens. You're kind of played as a viewer because you are wondering what genre you're watching. Mm. And it really is its own genre. Um, it's made by a filmmaker by the name of Sean Durkin, who, you know, he makes he's made a really sophisticated, intelligent film before called Marta. Marta Marcy May Marlene. It was about a girl who was trying to escape from an abusive cult. It was a big breakout indie hit for him. I don't know why we've waited 10 years for another film from him. But this is brilliant filmmaking, I have to say. I'm not quite sure what I watched, but I can't stop thinking about it since I watched it. Right. There's a big, mm. a big horse metaphor in there in there for some reason. Uh, she she owns horses in a stable. um the fact I think they both come across uh, I think what you get is you're getting his story unfolding as a narrative but you're almost getting to see the entire story from her perspective and I think that happens less in filmmaking than than you might think so I'm actually was there going who do I believe who's playing who here what's going on and it just intrigued me so much. The acting's fantastic. Jude Law's as good as he's ever been, as well here. You know, stands up to a great lead performance in Carrie Coon. Um, and there, I suppose, there are a couple of red herrings along the way because of the way we're used to structures in films um, where you might feel a little cheated or a little, you know, or, or feel that it's a little too slow paced. But it just had me hooked. These people had me involved. Um, and there is a couple of brilliant scenes late on. I mean, there's a he has an encounter with a, tax, a taxi driver quite late in the film, and he says, um, "What kind of work are you in?" The taxi driver says, and Jude Law's character says, "I pretend I'm rich," and the driver says, "That sounds tiring," and he and Jude Law says, "It is. <laughs> and it's just really good. Like and he kind of gets schooled by the taxi driver uh, at, at that stage as well in the film. Um, it's." I, I really liked this a lot. And, right. Um, okay. there's a, a, a Carrie Coon does a bronze beat dance in the middle of the film as well when she's in a rage on her own in the middle of the dance floor and that probably was the moment I fell in love with her.
0: Okay. Worth a, worth a look just for that. <laughs> uh, finally and very briefly um, the, uh, the, the news has come out now on the release date for Downton Abbey 2. Is this one set in space?
2: I wish uh, Downton Tabby and uh, Downton Abbey uh, a new era is coming March 18th 2022 um, we don't right. have a trailer or we don't have a plot but there was teaser, teaser footage shown at a convention over in the States seems to be the same cast uh, I think Dominic West actually joins the cast as Ooh. well he is everywhere this weather um, Downton Abbey fans will be very happy I personally don't care a huge amount I right. don't know uh, if you do I think
0: Downton Tabby is the spin-off movie featuring the cat <laughs> uh, cats, uh, who lives yes. there uh, that's it right that's our lot uh, for today Anton's up next on Newstalk thanks of course to Fanula Mick uh, and Esther our production team today uh, uh, Aiden, uh, Michael Quilligan and Aidan McKelvey uh, the uh, hashtag by the way uh, just to remind you is bristly movies the curious case of Benjamin's ball bag we'll talk to you on Monday at 2 see you then and Movies and Booze
1: on Moncrief brought to you by Lidl's award winning wine range Lidl more for you enjoy alcohol sensibly visit drinkaware.ie